I've never actually told my testimony because basically all of it contains my mom. I don't want people that already know her thinking different of her or going up to, going up to her and saying something. Ever since I was born, my mom has been an atheist, and to sum it up, she was mad at a God she didn't believe in. Anytime something bad would happen, she would say, how can people worship someone that would let this stuff happen? She wouldn't let me or my three sisters go to church because she thought she was doing what's best for us. My mom divorced my dad when I was about six or seven, and I only seen him and his side of the family every once in a while. But I was happy when we did because all of my dad's sisters are Christians, and they would take us to vacation Bible school when we were younger. My mom was always mad about that, but while I was there, I started picking up small things about Jesus, and I had taken a big interest in him. Sometimes when I would come home talking about him, my mom would get mad and start yelling at me, saying how crazy Christians were and that I was not going to be like them. My mom hated people going to church, and she made sure we knew. A big part of my life is my Nana. She would always let me come over, and she would read her Bible to me in secret. Every night, my family ate dinner at our dinner table together, and when I would come home from my Nana's to do so, I would tell them what I had learned, and my older sisters and my mom would just make fun of me until I would start crying and finish my dinner in my room. My mom had told my older sisters so many bad things about Christians and God himself that they started to believe it all, and it left me alone. One day in the sixth grade, uh, my best friend Jenna had invited me to start going to church with her. I had to beg my mom to let me go, and she finally let up. That Sunday in September, I got saved. I remember looking over and seeing another little girl who had got saved, and her mom was so happy for her that I heard them say they were going to go home and celebrate. I told them I wanted to go home so I could tell my mom too because I had wanted what I'd seen with the other girl. I ran into my house all excited only for my mom to just sit there and ignore me and tell me that I was wasting my life. I shouldn't have let it get to me, but it did. I had wanted a Christian family so bad that I started pretending like I had one when in reality it was just me. I got a hold of my dad and asked him if he could start taking me to my friend's church called Free Will in Locust. I began trying so hard to get close to God. I was staying up late at night reading my Bible and having my friends teach me about him at school. While I was getting closer to God, I was losing something as well, my mom. I hadn't heard the words, I love you, or anything really in three whole months. She would find ways to get me to go to my nana's or my dad's house, and when I did, I would get on her Instagram and see that she had posted pictures of them, er, taking pictures of my sisters, taking them out to dinner, or sometimes even the mall. I never really understood others being alone until I was the one alone. I was always home alone, showing up to church alone, and leaving church alone. The only bright side of my life was that I was able to go to church and I had friends by my side to talk about it with. One day, my aunt had gave me forms for church camp and my nana had gave me money to go. It was the best week of my life and I had never felt so happy or loved. I made many friends and every day was better than the last. Then, when it was time to go home, my heart sunk. 
when I got in my mom's car, she didn't even she didn't even ask how it went because she didn't care. I hadn't seen her all week, and when I was finally sitting right next to her, the feeling was no different. She began making fun of people being saved, and I had to sit there and listen to it the whole way home. When we finally got home, the first thing I did was play all the songs I had heard in the tabernacle, and I had cried all night. Anytime my mom would make me upset, I would always call my Nana and talk to her about it. I was crying the whole time, asking her how I went from having the best week of my life, being, finally being surrounded by a family of Christians, to being back home with the family that just didn't care. I just wanted to know why my mom wouldn't become a Christian and why she couldn't at least support me. And my Nana then said, sometimes, no matter what you do, people won't change. And it's not because you've done something wrong. There's just a point in life where people have to figure things out by themselves, just like being in the wrong to know what's right. At that point, I realized my mom's probably never going to be a Christian. Maybe in the future with some miracle, but right now she's not. I started taking my little sister to church with me, and last year in April, she got saved. Then together, we got baptized. It felt good having another person to be with, and but when we had programs at church, and even when we got baptized, me and my sister would be each other's only fans because my mom would always say she would never set foot inside a church, and we were not to get her to try to go, or we would never go to church again. So we were like our only family. I finally started going to Exciting Southeast with my friends JC, Journey, and Leah. And after being here and meeting Pastor Rob, all of my best friends, and a bunch of others, I realized this is where I'm meant to be. My mom still hasn't changed with where she's standing, but I'll be sitting here waiting if one day she does. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end this off with saying it does get better. And I'm also going to apologize because I kept saying how bad I wanted a Christian family, and I never even realized that this whole time there was one, there was one around me this whole time. So... Thank you, Exciting Southeast. Well, give it up for our youth and our BCM tonight. They've done a good job. I know they're nervous because I'm nervous. <clears throat> I just wanted to clear one thing up before I started. Uh, I'm not Trey. Uh, some of you guys may get that because Sunday, Sunday called me Trey about four times. I, I'm Trenton. Trey's back there. Uh, so wanted to clear that up. Uh, some of you guys may know uh, Dad is doing a men's discipleship group with some guys here from the church from both campuses. And uh, that's called 12 and 20. And the theme of... I guess the group is answering the call for Christ. And so that's kind of what I want to talk about tonight is go through some of the stuff that we've learned and some of the stuff that we've talked about. Uh, so before we get into that, I'll pray and we'll get started. Father, I just come to you and I just thank you that we can gather here and just uh, worship you and just serve you. And Lord, I pray that you would just uh, use me as a tool tonight, Lord, to just speak to someone in the crowd and just... Uh, Thank you in advance, and we give you the glory and the honor for it. In Jesus' name, amen. So, uh, when we talked about answering the call, 
for Christ in our lives. Uh, we've walked through three things in answering the call in our lives. And the first uh, for answering the call of Christ in our lives is the call of salvation. And if we were to look at a fundamental biblical salvation, we're going to see four common things. Uh, number one, a conviction from the scriptures. Uh, and if we look at Galatians 3.24, that says... Uh, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we may be justified by faith. And so uh, when we look at the word and the scriptures, that was never meant to save us, but it's just to show us that we have a need to be saved. And uh, Dad's example in the 12 and 20 group was uh, the word or the Bible is just a mirror for our lives. It shows us how dirty we are, uh, shows us how filthy we are, uh, and that we need to be cleaned up. And so some of the examples that uh, I have, we can look at a bunch of different verses in the Bible showing us our filth or our, our dirty or our ugliness. Uh, and that's Romans 23, and that says that we've all sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. Uh, and then Isaiah 64, 6, uh, in short, just paraphrasing here, talks about how we're unclean and our righteousness is like filthy rags. And so... We're dirty, and that, the word all throughout it shows us that we're dirty from the sins in our lives and the things that we've done, and that's every single one of us. There's not one of us in here that can say we're perfect. But also, if we look in the word in Psalms 19.7, uh, it says the law of God is perfect, converting the soul. So we know that through those words, uh, through the word, uh, we can come to Christ. It shows us that we need to be clean, and it shows us how to do that. And also, uh, the word's powerful. It says in Romans ten seventeen uh, that hear, uh, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. It's powerful, and it can pierce the hearts of anyone who's lost. So, I'm just thankful that when my parents got saved, uh, I remember every morning before headed to school, they got our family together. Um, they put us through a devotion every morning, uh, all through grade school. I remember that. We started our morning with a devotion. Uh, I remember them reading verses to us as we grew up, different verses, making us memorize the Word, and then taking us to church every time that the doors were open. So we just had the Word uh, preached to us, uh, and that played a big role in the conviction from the Scriptures for me and me answering the call for my salvation. Uh, but not only that... Also, number two, we see a call from the Spirit. And the Bible shows us clearly that there has to be a call from the Spirit when we answer that call of salvation. John 6, 44 says, For no one can come to me unless the Father who draws them, <coughs> unless the Father who sent them draws them to me. And on the last day I will raise them up. So from that verse we simply see that in answering the call of salvation, uh, we can't just all of a sudden answer that. There's got to be a call from, uh, call from the Spirit. There's got to be a call on our heart. That's that heavy feeling that we get in our heart. Uh, for those of you that's answered that call, you know that feeling uh, in your heart when that happens. And same thing, we, in the group, 12 and 20 group, it was just uh, likened to a phone call. Uh, we can't just go and pick up our phones anytime and say hello and expect someone to be on the other end of that. Um, in order for us to answer a phone call, someone's got to call us first. And 
that's no different in answering the call of salvation. First, uh, the Spirit, the Lord's got a call on our heart, uh, and then that's when we can answer that call for service, or for salvation. And then thirdly, there's going to be a cry from the sinner, and that's when we just give our heart to the Lord. That is uh, our cry to Jesus to just take over our lives and come into our lives. And uh, one of my favorites that was mentioned in walking through the 12 and 20 group was uh, Luke 23, 42, and 43, and that is the thief beside Jesus on the cross. And uh, that goes on to say, it says, the th Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you enter into the kingdom. And 43 says, And Jesus replied, I assure you today, you will be with me in paradise. And so we see right there that uh, that thief right there cr cried out to Jesus on the cross. And from Jesus' answer, we know that he's in eternity with heaven with Jesus right now. So when we cry out to Jesus, uh, I think about the heart. Uh, not everyone's prayer is going to be the same. And I know that maybe some of you in here can't even remember the exact words of the prayer that you prayed. But our heart should always be the same in that cry from our sinner. We should come to Jesus with a broken heart, a contrite heart, uh, and just give everything to him. Our heart should always be the same in that cry from the sinner. But then fourthly, in answering the call of salvation, uh, there should be a change from the Savior. And in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, If anyone be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away, and behold, all things become brand new. And so, as Christians, when we get saved, we should see a change in our lives. Um, I know, for me, I was saved at a young age, but some of those desires that changed in my life were I wanted to go to church. I remember Eric always saying when he gave his testimony to us in the youth is uh, he had a drug problem. His parents, before he was saved, his parents drug him to church every time the doors were open. And that was kind of me. I remember always wanting to go uh, up to my Meemaw's or up to my Papa and Granny's. Uh, I didn't really want to come to church. And when I did, I was usually sleeping, honestly, when I was younger. I was falling asleep in the pews. But I remember after being saved, um, those desires changed. I was ready to come to church. I was excited about getting in the Word and learning uh, about the Word. And just there was new desire in my heart. And uh, with the 12 and 20 group... Um, I guess our, one of our main models that we're looking at to model our lives after is Paul. And I would say we could definitely look at Paul and after salvation see a huge change in his life. I mean, Paul, before he was saved, persecuting Christians, uh, and then after being saved, probably considered one of the greatest Christians to ever live. I mean, uh, church, planted multiple churches, wrote half the New Testament, uh, discipled young Christians, uh, mentored them, just made a huge impact for the cause of Christ. And uh, a, the change that was made in his life was just crazy. Um, now, does that mean we're going to be perfect after salvation? No. Does that mean our life's going to be perfect? No. Uh, it's not going to be any easier. In fact, it's probably going to be harder after we get saved because we're going to have so many forces fighting against us. But... Uh, we should have those new desires, that new outlook, and we should definitely have that new heart. And that leads me to the second point uh, in answering the call for Christ in our lives. 
And that's the call of separation. And since we're not perfect, we're obviously, we're a work in progress. Uh, we have to watch out for sin in our lives. And as Christians, we're supposed to be different. And if we look at 2 Corinthians 6, 17, it says, Therefore come, out among, come from out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. So the Lord calls us to be different. Uh, when people look at us after we've been saved, after we've answered that call of salvation, they should know that we're Christians. Uh, we're not supposed to do the things of this world, everything that this world thinks is okay. Uh, for Christians, uh, it's, that's not the case. And so if we're going to live a life separate from this world and set apart, if you will, uh, we need to watch out for three things, or three types of sin, I guess, if you will, in our lives. And Dad's talked about them before up here, and I'm just going to go over what they are. And that's the sin of commission. And the sin of commission is uh, the things that we're not supposed to do that we do. That's the thou shalt not to the Bible. That's lying, uh, stealing, murder, adultery. Uh, the list goes on. There's so many things. Uh, that's most of these Ten Commandments that's, that are hanging up here. So that's the sin of commission, the things that we're not supposed to do, uh, that the Lord tells us we're not supposed to do in his word. But then there's the sin of omission. And the verse I get this from is James 4.17. And it says, remember, it is sin to know what to do and then not do it. So the sin of omission is simply the things that the Lord's called us to do. Um, we're called to witness to all the ends of the earth. We're called to share the gospel. Um, we're called to help others, tithe. There's a whole list of things that we're called to do as Christians. And when we're not doing those, that's committing the sin of omission. That's, uh, that's sin. And that's not living a life that's separate from those of the world. So you got the sin of commission, the sin of omission. And then lastly is the sin of disposition. And that is just when our hearts aren't right with others. Uh, bitterness, jealousy, uh, unforgiveness that uh, sets in our heart, and that's the sin of disposition. And so that's the three types of sin that I think we need to watch for in our lives if we're going to try to live a life that's set apart and that's different as Christians from the world. And I guess to explain the importance of this, uh, I have a story. I had a conversation with a buddy just about a month and a half ago, and I shared this with my youth because I want them to know that as Christians, we are a living testimony. Uh, we was on a walk for uh, a workout. We was just walking outside, and in conversation, it got brought up uh, about being saved and baptized, and as we got into that conversation, he just mentioned that well, I have a lot of buddies that's been baptized, and they come, and they tell me about it. He's like, but I have a really big problem with Christianity. And he's like, this is why I consider myself agnostic to Christianity or about God, because they've said that they've been saved or baptized. He's like, but they're coming to the parties with me on the weekends with my friends drinking beer. Uh, he's like, they're talking about all the girls that they've been with this past weekend. Uh, their foul mouth is probably worse than mine, and all these things that this person that said they've been saved was doing. And so when I told that to my youth, I just tried to stress the importance that someone's always watching. If 
for our youth, I said, you got those little ones in the nursery watching. Uh, for us as adults, the youth's watching, or just uh, anyone uh, could be watching. So we got to understand that as Christians, people need to tell that we're Christians by our actions. And so that's the importance of just living a life uh, set apart uh, and separated from the world as Christians. But then not only the call of salvation, uh, the call of separation, but thirdly, we got to answer the call of service in our lives. And uh, if we go to Romans 12.1, uh, that is Paul, and he's begging us uh, to go into service for the Lord. And it says, So, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you, and let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is the true way to worship him. And so, we got to understand that our service is just a way to worship God. That's a way to just show him uh, we are a living sacrifice for him and we will just uh, give our bodies up for him in service and uh, that is us showing him that we're thankful for what he's done for us and thankful for the, everything that he's blessed us with but then uh, another passage of scripture and I'm not going to read it uh, but 1 Corinthians 12 1 through 31 and that was one that we talked about in uh, the 12 and 20 group and uh, that just talks about how, as the church, we all have a part in the service for the Lord. We all, uh, we all have something that we're to do. Um, we're all one body, and we're all different working parts. And so I think that when we get saved as Christians, the Lord puts that desire in our heart to serve. Uh, without a doubt, I think that he gives us a desire to go and live sold out for him. But I think there's a few things that can get... Uh, I guess, in our way uh, and discourage us and distract us from living uh, sold out for him and going and answering the call for that service. And so then we can get complacent or stagnant in our Christian lives. And first thing is Satan. And we know that uh, Satan will do anything he can to keep us from uh, answering the call of service for the kingdom. He don't want to see people saved. He don't want to see the kingdom added to at all. So he tries to discourage us. He tries to convince us uh, that we aren't able to do the things the Lord calls us to do. He'll use fear. Uh, I love the song, Fear is a Liar. Uh, it's just one of my favorites. Um, he'll just, anything he can do, he'll convince us that we're not good enough. We're not able to do what the Lord's called us to do. Well, our job isn't important. Um, so we got to understand that we're in a battle. Um, and we've heard Dad say it multiple times up here. Uh, the Christian life's not played out on a playground. It's fought out on a battlefield. Um, so no matter what, we've got to keep fighting. And I read a quote uh, about a month ago, and it was in regards to battle and just the Christian life. And it says, if I can't shoot, I'll load. If I can't load, I'll carry ammo. If I can't carry ammo, I'll help the wounded. If I can't help the wounded, I'll give blood. If I can't give blood, I'm probably dead. So strip off my body what you need and keep fighting. As Christians, we've got to understand that uh, no matter what, we can be used. And no matter what, uh, the devil's going to keep coming at us and keep coming at us. So we've got to keep fighting. We've got to keep battling and uh, keep battling until eventually we're up in heaven. And so 
Satan is one thing that can keep us from answering the call of service, but also uh, another thing that I think hinders us from keep answering the call of service is just ourself. Uh, self can be our own worst enemy at times, and I think a lot of times it is our own worst enemy. Uh, one, because of comfort zones. Um, no one likes to be uncomfortable. No one likes change. Uh, I always think about working out uh, when it comes to comfort zones, I guess. Uh, people who want to lose weight or whatever, lose fat, um, it takes work. And you got to get in the gym. You got to work every day. You got to clean up your diet. Um, that's the only way that you can do it. Or even if you got goals of setting a new PR, in order to do that, you got to continually push yourself. You got to continually get under the bar, uh, put a little more weight on, to a little more weight on. And so you got to stay uncomfortable if, you're, if you want to lose weight, if you want to set goals in the gym, uh, working out, any type of a goal you have. It takes being uncomfortable to reach those goals. And the Christian life's no different. Uh, in order to have an effect on the kingdom and live answering the call of service, we have to be willing to get out of those comfort zones. We have to be willing to grow. Uh, we have to be willing to make changes. And so uh, if we look in the scriptures and see from the Bible some people that were probably uncomfortable, but they went ahead and pushed through uh, Moses. Uh, I'm sure Moses was probably uncomfortable when he was headed into Egypt, knowing what was about to, what was about to come ahead. He knew he had a big battle, but he still, he got uncomfortable. He had faith. And he went to work. Gideon was another one. I'm sure Gideon was probably uncomfortable when he was headed to lead in the battle against the Midianites. And then Jesus. I would say um, the cross was probably pretty uncomfortable. Uh, the beating he took, the spear, the crown of thorns. I'm saying that it was very uncomfortable. Uh, and just one of the quotes from the 12 and 20 group uh, about getting out of our comfort zone was comfort is our biggest trap and coming out of our comfort zone is going to be our biggest challenge. Uh, it's not going to be easy. That flesh is going to rear up every time that you step out of that comfort zone. It's going to try to pull you back. Uh, but it's always going to be worth it because you can have that impact and you can see those, those lives change, those people get saved. So I think as Christians we need to strive to stay out of those comfort zones. But not only comfort zones, but confused zones. And this is where uh, the 1 Corinthians chapter 12 comes in. And I'm going to read uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 22 and 26. Verses 22 says, Some parts of the body that seem the weakest and the least important are actually the most necessary. And then down at 20, verse 26, it goes on to say, if one part suffers, then all the parts suffer with it. But if one part is honored, then all parts are glad. And so I think confused zone, people just uh, get in their minds that what they're doing is not important or their job's too small or uh, they just get discouraged because they may not be the person that gets the spotlight or the highlight reel, if you will. And uh, again, I just think of basketball uh, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, those are probably two that you would consider the greatest to ever play the game. Uh, if we were to ask them uh, if they could get out there one versus five, 
they're going to say no. They need their teammates. But in all those championships won between the two of them, uh, those guys are the guys. Those are the guys that get all the spotlight. Those are the guys that get all the talk. Those are the guys that are considered the greatest of all time. But without a doubt, if they were to get out there and play one versus five, they wouldn't ever win a game, and we, they wouldn't be considered what they are today without having those teammates that surrounded them. So uh, one of the examples, again, brought up in the 12 and 20 group was the Roundup for Jesus Rodeo. And there's lots of different ministries that we do here at Exciting Southeast that take multiple people. But it's one of the biggest ones. And all the behind-the-scenes guys that it takes, there's people that mow, there's people that weed eat, they clean up the trash, uh, setting up the tent, um, and then that's just before. Uh, then the night of, you got people parking, you got people uh, working the entrance, you got people uh, counseling after the message is given. And so there's a lot that goes into that. And if we let the Lord discourage us thinking that when we're picking up, <laughs> sorry. Not the Lord discourages. If we let Satan discourage us <laughs> and think that our job's not important, we're picking up that trash or we're doing those small little things that play a big role in those things. Uh, he can, and that, that'll happen. And I'm sure if we were to ask Marty or Dad that, hey, could you do this without all these people that's come and they've helped pick up the trash, they've helped mow and weedy. If it was just Marty... And dad out there doing those things, they would never get it done. And they understand that. So don't let confusion or lies creep in about your job not being important. Just find a place and go to work. But then that verse 26, uh, and it, I'm going to read it again. It says, if one part suffers, all parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all parts are glad. And just like, and you'll see in those post-game interviews, uh, LeBron especially, he's always uh, commending his teammates. He's always thanking his teammates, telling them, I couldn't do it if they didn't hit the shots. I couldn't have those triple-doubles. I couldn't have those assists if they didn't hit. They got to do their part. Uh, and again, I think we could ask Marty Brock. I think we could ask Dad that uh, it takes us. But when those strangers or whatever come up and say, oh, did you hear that message that Marty preached or that message that Rob preached? We got to understand that they're, they may be in the spotlight, but they're not the only one that's getting honored. We get, we get to celebrate those lives that are saved. We get to celebrate those changes that are made on people's lives too. Uh, if one person's honored, we're all a part of it. We're one body, and so we get in on that too. We got to be excited to answer that call of service and understand that we don't necessarily have to have the spotlight to be involved. And uh, most Christians are going to have the donkey ministry. And that's what Dad used in the 12 and 20 group. And the two disciples that Jesus sent to get the donkey, they weren't named. And we don't know the names of those, but I can promise you this. They were important. They had a big role. And so answering the call for Christ, it won't always be easy, but it's always worth it. Um, the call of salvation the call of separation, and the call of service. And if we answer these, and if we progress forward and look for growth in all these things, I think we can have a great impact for the kingdom of heaven. Uh, and I'm going to end with this. And if the